Hey, church. It is good to be back. <laughs> Some of you might be here for like the first time and you're like, oh, oh okay. All right. We do, we do that here, I guess. Um, but thank you. I have, uh, I've been away for a little bit and uh, uh, 12 weeks, in fact, and this is my first Sunday worshiping with my church family live and in person. And I am I'm just so happy. I'm thrilled. I'm excited. There's, there's, a lot, there's a lot of emotion going on right now. So this could get a little weird. Uh, just buckle up and, and we'll get through it together here. I did not need the coffee this morning. Listen, so many of you, and I love it, seeing, connecting in the lobby. I was at the Fulton Heights uh, barbecue yesterday, which was awesome, right? So good. And I got a chance to connect. So many people asked me the question, like, how was it? You know, what did you learn? Or how, you know, what were your takeaways? And I'm like, um, I'm, I'm full. Like, I'm brimming. There's just a lot here. And I didn't have a very good answer. I still don't have a great answer. It's going to ooze out of me, like, over time, over the months and, and the years. And you'll, you'll get the ooze, whether you want it or not. Like, it's, it's coming at you your way. But I guess, like, to summarize the thing, key takeaways, net outs, two words. The first one is, is gratitude, church. I am so profoundly grateful um, that you as a church community just allowed me uh, to step away and uh, to learn and to grow, of course, to spend some time uh, with family and, uh, and, and some mentors along the way as well. Just so grateful, so grateful. I'm grateful, I'm grateful for those of you who stepped in, especially new roles and heavier, weightier roles maybe than you had previously in, in new areas. Listen, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for, uh, for, for Dylan, for Ryan, for Nick, uh, for, for Joe to step in and fill this spot while I was away. Can we just say thank you to those guys? Amazing. Amazing. I'm grateful. I'm grateful for this church. For 10 years, I have been really, really connected to this place. Really connected. And I'm grateful because I've always asked the question, you know, what would happen what would happen if I did step away? I've never done it before. And I've asked the question, what would happen if I did step away? And, and over these last 12 weeks, we got the answer to that question. What happens if I stepped away? It's that Jesus would continue building his church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. That's what happens. And I'm so grateful for you stepping into that. I'm so grateful for you saying yes to Jesus' call on your life. I'm so grateful for God to continually build his church. Uh, gratitude is the first word. The second one, and uh, it's a little bit more to our point this morning, is about perspective. I've gained, uh, I've gained a perspective and, and a, real, a real clear one um, that just it hit me so much is the perspective that, that I love. Uh, I love that we're an online church. I love that we have cameras that we're presumably broadcasting this all over, the, all over the globe. I love that so many people are tuning in. I love you. But there is nothing that really even comes close to the joy that I have in face-to-face -face community together like this. Nothing comes close. Nothing beats it. It's so good. And I've missed it so badly. You know, the analogy that I'll give you about that is um, when, my wife, when my wife and I were dating for, it was about three years, you know, so we, we, we kind of knew. Uh, we knew each other real well, right? 
three years in college, she got the idea to take a summer job, June, July, and August, uh, three months. She was going to go 3,000 miles away about to southwestern Colorado to work on a dude ranch. That is not us. That is not our personality, in case you're wondering, at all. But she was going to try this, uh, this new adventure, and I was left in West Michigan by myself. And I'm, I'm grateful I'm grateful for phone conversations along the way that I got to connect with her that way. I'm grateful for email when we could. I'm grateful for handwritten like letters that we put a physical stamp on and sent them over on dinosaurs because that's how old that is. But I'm grateful for all of these things, the pieces of technology that kept us connected along the way. But listen, eight weeks into the three months, uh, I had scrounged up enough flyer miles and borrowed points from other people that I could get an, a, an airplane ticket to go visit her. And seeing her face-to-face for the first time after being away for so long. Church, there were, there were butterflies in my stomach, my hands, my palms were sweaty. I, I, true story, it was on that trip that I knew, that I decided, I'm going to marry this woman. In the following summer, I did. We got married almost 16 years ago, uh, coming up here in a couple weeks. Nothing, nothing comes close to this face-to-face, just being together. And I hope that's your experience. If you're watching online, I hope that's your experience. You come through these doors And it's like butterflies, sweaty palms. Some of you thought that I was going to propose to you on the patio when you came in. I'm not. That would be a little bit too much, I'm aware. But it's so good. Doing life, doing life together. Uh, Perspective. I gained perspective while I was away on life together. I've gained uh, perspective on, on how I've led here. Some of some of the good ways but also some of the areas that maybe uh, we as a community could, could still could grow in. I, uh, I, as a church leader, can continually grow in. You know, perspective, perspective does that. Uh, those of you who are parents, you, kinda, you start to get the sense. If your kids, as they get older and older, you start to realize how your unique kind of parenting contributes to like, who they are and, and who they've become, for, for better or for worse. You know, I've got two kids, uh, an eight-year-old and a 10-year-old. The eight-year-old, Colin, he, uh, we're hanging out. He looks over at his big sister's 10, and he looks up at her, and he goes, uh, Lily, Lily, you have a bee on you. And she shrieks, and she jumps as we all would, and he just starts giggling because he just put the letter B on her arm. And I look at her, and I look at him, and I'm like, I don't know where he got that from. But with jokes like that, he's going to be a great dad someday, right? You start to see how your special kind of presence influences and impacts. A perspective is gained. Uh, those of you maybe football fans, not me, I don't watch the games. I like watch the highlights of the games afterward, maybe. And I know just enough to know that the guy throws the ball and the other guy's supposed to catch the ball. And, and watching the highlights afterwards, it's easy for me to watch somebody throw the ball off target and to say, throw it better, right? Like, do, do, do a better job than throw it harder or clearer, like whatever it is. Not to him, to the, to the guy with the other jersey, right? Like, it's easy for me to say that because I have perspective. 
I got the perspective of like 80 different cameras in the arena a day to think about it. And I don't have a 300-pound lineman right in my face literally trying to kill me. Like, I don't have that. I have, I have perspective. And so what I'd what I love to do together this morning is to step back and have a little perspective and so much of life and some of the big things, some of the areas that, that I think personally I would love to grow in and I want to invite you to kind of come along that journey with me, gaining some of that perspective. So we're going to go to Ephesians today. Ephesians chapter 3, you can follow along uh, in a paper Bible. Also, I've gotten really into the, the Bible app, so that's cool. You should come uh, follow along on there too. And the words are going to be on the screen behind me as well. Uh, but Ephesians, and let me just start reading it, and then, we'll, uh, and then we'll explore it a little bit together. Ephesians chapter 3, Paul is writing this, a church leader, and he's writing to the church in Ephesus, and he says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Why is Paul kneeling before his Father in heaven? In Ephesians, this letter that he writes. Ephesians is an interesting letter. Some of you Bible nerds are going to like this because I'm a Bible nerd and I liked it. So here it is. Um, it, makes a difference. it makes a difference for us this morning, though, because uh, Ephesians as a letter of the Bible is, is different. Paul, who wrote this, wrote most of the books of the New Testament. They're, they're letters to different churches, uh, different cities. So he's writing to Ephesians, this church in Ephesus. He's writing to Corinthians, the church in Corinth. Philippians, the church in Philippi. Galatians, the church in Galatia. Like, you, you get the, you're smart people. You can figure that out. This, this one is different, though. Every other letter that Paul writes has, like, this teaching, corrective nature to it. Where he's writing to Galatians, and he's like, you're combining your faith in Jesus with, like, with this other stuff. It doesn't have anything to do with that other stuff. Like, it's the, the teaching is Jesus and Christ and grace alone, like all of this stuff. And he keeps hitting on it. It's teaching. It's corrective at heart. You know, he's, he's writing to the church in Corinth, and he's like, where do we begin? <laughs> I mean, there's like, we got to write two letters, you know, to start off with, First and Second Corinthians. And there's divisions among you. There's lawsuits. You're suing each other. You don't know how to do the Lord's Supper. You can't figure out whether you should wear a mask in church or not. That was not actually in there. That was just a joke, right? But there's so much divisions in Corinthians. He's like, he's like trying to just correct them. He's trying to teach them. Ephesians hits different. Like pick up the book and just kind of read it through. There's only a handful of chapters. It, it'll take 20 minutes. It's different in nature because Paul spent by far more time with the people, with the church of Ephesians than any other church. They were the most well-instructed church of all of them. And he knew they didn't need another lesson. They didn't need another teaching. Combine that then Several times he references how he's in prison and he doesn't, he's in Rome, he's in chains. He doesn't know if he's going to get out. There's this tone of the letter that almost sounds like he might not see his people again. Ephesians hits different. It's not corrective. It has this devotional, almost kneeling before the Father, almost prayerful tone throughout the book. And I'm like, the perspective that I'm bringing you this morning especially, maybe we don't need another teaching, a lesson. 
Maybe we kneel before the Father in a devotional rhythm and we ask, and we ask Him for something beyond all of that. Paul continues on. He goes, I pray. Of course he does. This devotional letter. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through the Spirit in your inner being so that Christ, now listen, it's, it's complicated, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that being rooted and established in love, that's our word this morning, may have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. So there's power. There's power. we got to acknowledge there's, there's power that he talks about. And for me, for us, for many of us, we rush to the power because we want to go to the the power that's in the name of Jesus. There's power to change. There's power to heal. There's power to provide. There's power to serve. There's power to sacrifice. There's power to perform. There's power to press on. There is power to persevere. There's power. But before that, there is love. That's the perspective. Before that, before everything, there is love. And this is what Paul wants to highlight for us. This kind of love in verse 19, listen. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. You stop and think about that for a second. To know the love that surpasses knowledge. That's about as clear as mud. That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Okay, that's the goal. The goal is fullness. The, the opposite of that is emptiness. The opposite of that is vanity. The opposite is, is shallow in nature. And so Paul, being obedient to Jesus, saying yes to Jesus, is like approaching you and I, approaching the church, approaching, honestly, my heart like, um, like a surgeon. And you can kind of get the sense Paul's going much deeper, right? We're going past the vein, past the shallow, past the superficial. We're cutting deeper than all of that. Uh, Paul is like standing over the patient like a surgeon asking for the 10 blade before she cuts in. Everything I know about surgery comes from Gray's Anatomy. Let's get that just upfront and honest. No idea what any of this means. But I do know, I do know that Paul's cutting, cutting much deeper. He has to. Beyond the shallow, he's cutting to a fullness. Listen, um... We sometimes confuse the exterior and the interior. Sometimes, sometimes we mistake and we bring together the symptoms and the cause. The, the cause and effect, the symptoms and the disease. We, we blend these things sometimes and we mistake one for the other. I'm convinced there's like two different kinds of people in the world. And often you marry each other. <laughs> it's God's plan. Um, uh, symptoms and diseases uh, two kinds of people in the world there's somebody that when you get injured or hurt or sick or something uh, like, like you don't want to like take too much medicine because you pay probably wisely pay attention to your body and what your body is telling you right so if you've got like a sore foot like you don't want to just take all the aspirin and make it go away you want to know so you don't have the soreness of the foot you know it reminds you 
right? You got to rest it. You got to ice it. You got to compress it. You got to elevate it, right? You got to do the, do the things. You don't want to just hide it. And there's the rest of us that are like, no, I absolutely want to hide it. That's, what I, that's my plan. When I've got like a, like a head cold, you know, something, something going on, you know, I'm the guy, I'll go to the medicine cabinet, I'll take the NyQuil, pop the cap, just the, the little cup right off. We don't need that, okay? Because we're opening it up and we're drinking it. It's disgusting and I'm sorry that you can never like unsee that visual of me drinking NyQuil again. But that's my plan. Because like the headache, the, the nose, nose runny, sneezing, coughing, sleepless, all of that goes away. It's done. It's gone. And if it's not gone, I don't know about it because I'm gone after drinking the, the NyQuil, right? right? I know, I know this is a superficial fix. This is just the exterior. This is just the symptoms. This does nothing to the disease. This does nothing for the cause. This does nothing for the inside. It's always just on the outside. It's vain. It's, it's shallow. It's superficial. It's, it's, just, it's just exterior. And Paul is approaching this. He's saying, no, no, there's something behind the thing. Like, you want to know a lot about why these last 18 months have been so incredibly difficult for, for, for many of us? The reason why we have found ourselves fighting with people that we've said we've loved, why we found ourselves exiting relationships that we have had for years, friendships ending over the silliest things, why we have posted things that probably aren't true, but Hey, at least it, it kind of riles up and triggers the other side, right? All of these things, symptoms. I think Paul, being obedient to God, is standing over us as the patient, and he's saying, we have to cut deeper. We have to rediscover the love, the surpassing love that is in Christ Jesus Listen, if you really understood, if I, Dirk, really understood and grasped the love of Jesus in my life, listen, all of this other stuff would be so much easier. I'd stop hanging on to stuff. I'd stop hanging on to sin. I'd stop hanging on to temptation. It wouldn't be that tempting anymore compared to the surpassing love in Jesus Christ. So that's, that's the series, that's the message I want to bring for you. Is the love of God that changes the world. And it starts with one. It starts with me. It, it starts with you, the self. This vertical thing, love God and everything else, starts to, starts to fall into place a bit more. You know, but <laughs> how, right? I mean, isn't, isn't that like the next question? You just said to know the love that surpasses knowledge. Great, do that. Fall in love more and more with God and everything else will start to sort itself out a bit more. How in the world do you fall in love? How do you in the world do you know something that surpasses knowledge? Okay, this is, there's two ways to do this. Okay, there's Dirk's way and there's Paul slash God's way. 
So you know one of these is going to be better than the other one, right? There's, there's Dirk's ways. It's like, how do we do that? How do we fall in love with God? How do we go head and over heels with God? Dirk's way is like, I'm going to work harder. I'm going to roll up my sleeves. If I don't have long sleeves, I'll get long sleeves. Roll those up. I'm going to craft better messages. I'm going to cast clear, more compelling vision. I'm going to recruit some people along the way, and we're, we're going places. We're going to storm the gates of hell with a water pistol. Let's do this, church. It's my perspective that I've gained in the last couple of months. That doesn't work. Or if you think it works, it doesn't work for very long. And there's God's way. God's way starts with prayer. Because what Paul gets is he's like, I can't, I, I can't do that. He's sitting in prison. He's writing to this church that he knows well and may never see again. And what he can offer up isn't a correction. It isn't a teaching. Like they need another one of those. He offers them his prayer, kneeling before his father in heaven, asking God to show up. That's the only way that it happens. And it is a mystery every time. To watch somebody fall in love with God. Seems random, but I'm going to ask a question. Are there any of you in the room who are like matchmakers, right? Like somebody who's just, I'm pretty good at like setting some people. Anybody who has successfully set you uh, or set some other people up in a relationship? Come on, don't let 915 teach you now. Yeah, right. Yes, thank you. I appreciate that. I have, I have no idea like how this works. I'm out of that completely. That is not my thing. But I kind of, I've officiated a number of the weddings that many of you have successfully set up, people in a, in a relationship together. A lot of those happen to be on the worship team. So if you're looking for people, just kidding. <laughs> there are worse places to meet people than serving at church, though. But I digress. The, the, the point is, um, I imagine, right, it goes, you know, setting somebody up, falling, getting them to fall in love. It kind of goes something like this, right? You got, you got a couple, right? And they're in a friend group, in a circle, and then you kind of go up to the one, and you start talking up the other person, right? Like, you go, you go up to Sarah, and you're like, hey, <laughs> this Adam, I mean, he's just, this, can I just vent a little bit about Adam? I mean, he is just, he is so picky about bathroom cleanliness. It's just so annoying, right? Can you believe that? He's always visiting his nieces and nephews and hanging out with them. He's just making us look bad. And then you go up to Adam, and you're like, man, Sarah. She baked those amazing chocolate chip cookies again. Family recipe. She won't, she won't share it. Man, she's so great. She's so amazing. She's always reading her Bible, you know. She's always like learning and growing personally, spiritually, but also professionally in her career. I mean, there's always, she's always doing something. She's so great, so great. Right? And then eventually you hope that what? There's a, there's a spark that happens. Now, you can't make Adam and Sarah, they're fictitious, by the way, kind of. You can't make them fall in love. You can't make them have that spark, but you can make the introduction. And so that's what, that's what church, that's what worship is about. That's what, that's what I get to do. I get to make this introduction. I can't make you fall in love with Jesus, but I do get to make the introduction. And think about that. Think about the fact that you belong to a kind of church that literally every single person who darkens the door of this place and comes in here, we can look straight in the eye and in full honesty, we can tell them, 
that God loves them more than anybody has ever loved another person. God loves them more than their boyfriend or girlfriend. God loves them more than their husband or wife. God loves them more than anybody has ever loved another human being. God loves them more than their mama loved them when they were little. He loves them to death and back again to new life. Talk about an introduction. We get to do that. You get to do that. Do that. Make that introduction. Fall in love with God. That's amazing, isn't it? We talk about grasping how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Jesus Christ. You want to know how wide and long and high and deep it is? I would ballpark it, give or take six inches at about five and a half feet. That's the distance of Jesus' arms stretched out. Roughly the distance between two nail holes and a cross. He loves you that incredibly much. And think about what that meant for the Father. To look at you. And to see the evil, not just in the world, but inside of each one of us. And to know that left on its own, it will separate us from him on into an eternity. And that's no way to die. That's no way to live and knowing what it would take to do something about that. Not withholding his son, his own son. He watches his son writhe and die. Thinking of me and you and everybody who comes through these doors. Five and a half feet. How can we fall in love with a God like that? How can we not? I'll tell, I'll tell you. This is the danger. This is what happened. In my reflection, in my perspective, this is the, this is the best I can do for you. We've, we've moved the goalposts. We've changed the definition in, in, of some of the key terms that God has shared with us in his word in the Bible. I want to share this quote with you that I came across, and I think it puts it so well. In Christianity, the shift from faith as trust to, tr to, to faith as belief was primarily a product of the Enlightenment. For Christians, trust in God was slowly degraded into trust in certain thoughts about God, not actually God. Cherishing thoughts about the divine replaces cherishing the divine. Knowing about the divine replaces knowing the divine. So when you hear a story about the five and a half feet foot love of God that is in Jesus Christ, we're like, yeah, yeah, I, I, I know. I believe. 
Well, I didn't ask you if you know or like if you believe like it's a number of boxes to check off on a list. I'd ask you if that's like the compelling thing that like gets you up in the morning, gets me up in the morning to share with the world, the hope of the world. You know, I'll, I'll share it like this. 1859, there was a guy, Charles Blondin, and had, uh, Charles Blondin goes to the border of the of U.S. and Canada and he stretches this tightrope across New York to Ontario, across Niagara Falls. And you know that it was 1859 because Homeland Security would have shut that thing down in a hurry if it was any time after that. But 1859, Charles is stretching out his tightrope and he starts walking across. Because there's visitors and there's tourists on, on both sides. And a bunch of people come out and they start cheering him on. I mean, it's a guy in a tightrope over top the Niagara Falls, you know, and then he's back and forth. He's doing some tricks along the way. He does it, he does it like in this, this sack across. He gets stilts and he walks across on stilts. He goes across in a box and with a fox. I mean, just, I mean he didn't do that. He didn't do that. But the stilts thing he, he did and the sack thing he did, he goes across backwards. He blindfolds himself. And one time he got, he got a little, he got a, a wheelbarrow, presumably larger than this one. And, and he puts a little oven in it with a stove cooktop. And he goes across and blindfolded, he cooks an omelet walking across the Niagara Falls. Like you can't make this stuff up. He does that. And he gets to the other side and the crowd is just going nuts, right? Like who is this guy? And he says, how many of you believe that I could take you successfully across the falls in this wagon? Cheers, hands raised. How many of you want to get in? And no, nobody does. We don't want to be that church. We don't want to be in the church that knows things about God. We don't even want to be the kind of church that believes the right things about God. We want to be the kind of church that is so in love with God, that is so trusting of God. We want to be the kind of church that gets in the darn wheelbarrow he's taken us somewhere. Say yes to the God who's taking you somewhere. Can I ask you, church, would you stand up? Would you stand up with me? And we're going to close in prayer here in just, in just a minute, but some of you are like, listen, I want to say yes. I want to. I don't know how. I don't know how to fall in love with God. What does that mean? I'll start with prayer. That's the next step. What's after that? I'm asking him, draw near to me, and I'm waiting for him to draw near to me. And so I just want to offer this to you, church. I want to ask you, listen, this is, after prayer, your first step is just get to know him, and not get to know him like Charles Boudin, or Blondin, was a, uh, a New York stuntman in the late 1800s. Thank you, Wikipedia. No, I'm not asking you to know more things about God. I'm saying get to know him. If you want to know somebody, open up their diary and read their innermost thoughts. And God gave you that in 66 books, a love letter from heaven to you. Get to know him.
Spend time with them. Love is often spelled T-I-M-E. Talk to him. Talk about him. Fall in love with the God that's taking you somewhere. Let's pray to that God together. Jesus Christ, enthroned on high, God, you have a call on each one of our lives on whatever it means to get into the wheelbarrow, to trust you, to fall head over heels in love with you. God, that is a mission that is so great. I pray we go out of this place and we meet friends and neighbors and coworkers and people on the job site and people at the cubicle over, people on Zoom calls, Lord, redeem that, redeem that space. God, and we pray that we would just be beacons of your life-changing love, world-changing love, and that we would say yes. God, thank you for your son and for loving us first. Amen.